0: Good morning, friends. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. No, you're not going crazy. We did get new carpet. So if you if you noticed that and thought, what is going on? It's dark in here. It's not you. It's just the carpet. Don't worry. Uh, my name is Pastor Brent, one of the pastors here at MRCC. Just a few announcements for us this morning. Uh, first is that it's the Christmas season. Mariah Carey is now popular again. Uh, Michael Buble is going to be topping the charts for the next few weeks. So make sure you're ready for that. I am super ready for Christmas. I used to hold out till after Thanksgiving to really get in the Christmas spirit. But now that we like set up the lights the weekend before Thanksgiving, I mean, I can't sit in a room with a giant Christmas tree like that for like a couple hours and not start to be like, all right, you know what? It's Christmas. I give up. I give up. Santa, you win. It's Christmas. So I'm super excited. Our Christmas lights are officially up and running now. So you can check those out. They run from about 4 p.m. when it gets dark to around midnight. So make sure you come check out the light show. I know it's a happy tradition for many. Invite your neighbors. Invite some friends down. uh, Park in the parking lot and have a great time watching the light show. That is up and running now. Uh, we sent out the Operation Christmas Child shoe boxes, I think like 450 of them, which is super awesome. So, can we just celebrate that this morning? Absolutely, absolutely. Just a fantastic thing that we get to do each year um, just to bless a bunch of kids. That's awesome um, to see the kingdom being spread in that way. So, thank you for helping so much with that. And then last but not least, our kids' Christmas program is coming up on December 11th. Uh, Every time I go down the hall on Sundays, I see the past few weeks, I've seen the kids practicing. Uh, It's always crazy to me that once, like, September and October roll around, Pastor Allison starts talking about, all right, the kids' Christmas program, we got a plan. There's a ton of planning that goes into that. And, of course, because it's kids' All amount of planning means nothing, and it is just the most beautiful, amazing thing to see the kids perform in the show. So that is December 11th. Make sure to mark your calendars. Make a mental note of that. Uh, Definitely don't want to miss it. It's just a fantastic way uh, to experience that gift that the kids want to give us for the Christmas season. So December 11th for that, and without further ado, I'm going to invite Pastor Allison up to bring the word.
1: All right. All right. Thank you. Christmas is coming, yeah? Yeah. We actually have a lot of cool stuff coming. We're going to do a gingerbread bash partway through, so watch your calendars for that. It's like everybody comes to that, and um, it should be fun. And actually, we thought if the weather's nice enough, we're going to put some fire pits outside, let you watch the Christmas lights out there. So if you have time, to come, you'll hear more about that as the date gets closer. But, And then, of course, after the Christmas program, we, we have our ugly sweater. Have you guys bought your ugly sweater yet? I mean, it's time to go shopping, Christmas shopping. How many of you have done Black Friday shopping already? Three people. That's beautiful. Okay. (laughs) It's like, it's not a thing anymore, Allison. Uh, If you don't know who I am, I'm Pastor Allison. I am our kids pastor, um, but it is my joy to be able to share God's word with you this morning. And um, I just hope you had a great holiday weekend, whether you went shopping or not, or whether you did shopping online. How many of you just went online and bought everything then this weekend? Because those were the great deals, right? You didn't have to go to the store. Both? I saw this. I'm like, both? I did both. That's beautiful. Um, But I do want to share with you before we get started this morning that part of the reason that I'm here uh, is because Pastor Greg is in Oregon right now and um, his father did pass away. So I just, I want to make sure you know that. Um, I know that it it doesn't ever, death is never easy, right? Um, But if you do remember back in the end of his sabbatical, um, he went down there to be with his family because his dad had entered into ICU and it's been sort of a battle for his life ever since. So to some degree, there's celebration that that part is over. But of course, it's always hard to lose somebody. So our heart is heavy for him too, but he is there with his family um, and spending that time, which is very needed and good for him to be there. So in the course of all that, I'll just, I'll just keep it real. Are you ready to keep it real? That was on Thursday. Hi. <laughs> Do you want to see the title of our message this morning? It's really simple because this is what happens when you put me in charge. <laughs> um, I just, you know, just apologies. I'm just going to pray that that God teaches us today um, because I love teaching God's word. And I pray that this would be God's word coming to you um, through this message today. And um, and that you will just be blessed by it and, and be in prayer for Pastor Greg. So will you pray with me? Father, we are thankful um, to be together as a church body, to be in family, in your church family. God, I pray a blessing over the service that, uh, Lord, it would be your words. Lord, that uh, you would just anoint your house this morning with your presence, that we'd feel it across the room. And that, God, through all things, uh, you would be speaking into our hearts exactly what you want us to hear this morning. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for just even the opportunity uh, to be together in fellowship. We pray over Pastor Greg as he's with his family. We pray, Lord, that you would just be redeeming that time for him uh, and his family as they are together, grieving together, um, but also uh, sharing memories together, God. I pray that it would be a blessing. I pray that there will be uh, fruit that comes from that. Uh, we love you, Jesus, and we thank you for your time. Amen? Amen. Um, But I am excited to talk about the mess in the middle. Uh, You know, the the truth is, uh, Pastor Greg called me on Thursday night, and he just said, hey, I think I need to head to Oregon um, and, you know, be with family. And so I sat at an empty computer screen for a little bit, and it was empty for a lot lot bit. And I just asked God, I said, God, I want to honor you, you know, and I want to honor your word uh, more than anything, because um, to me, I am inadequate, right? Right this is God's word and his word is true and I want to make sure that that I honor that with us this morning. So as I was sitting there and I was praying over Pastor Greg, I was like, well, I just kept coming back to Ecclesiastes. um, And I already preached about Ecclesiastes a number of years ago, so I decided, well, I can't do the same message again, but I can at least start there. Because in Ecclesiastes, if you you know that book of the Bible, it's King Solomon who God had given great wisdom to. And um, he... In through the book of Ecclesiastes, kind of shared, I, I'm searching for the meaning of life. So that's the mess in the middle is the meaning of life. That's my in part. No, there's actually a few more. It's kind of interesting to me because King Solomon, obviously in this in this search for the uh, meaning of life, asked this question. Pastor Greg, if you know his story. Asked this question as well when he was searching. Did you know at one point in his life, he's probably shared this before, I know he has, that he at one point was an atheist, proclaimed atheist, and he was in uh, the military until God captured his heart. But it was in this process of searching, like, what is this all for? That his uncle said to him, Don't dismiss Jesus in your searching when you're searching, and that's where he came from. There's a whole bunch of atheists actually out there. Did you guys know about Lee Strobel? He wrote uh, A Case for Christ. He was a journalist, atheist, until he went searching to disprove Christianity and and came to believe in Jesus. There's so many. uh, I I won't list them all, but I did make a big list. I will tell you, though, what I found when you do a little Google search online. Are you ready for this? It's not super funny, I'll be honest, but it is interesting to me because on a worldview, this is what I found. The meaning of life to evolve. Have you done that? To achieve biological perfection. Done? Okay. No, not so much. All right. Uh, Then the other thing I found online that I thought was interesting was to seek wisdom and knowledge. And I thought, well, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know God, where do you find wisdom and knowledge? Yeah. Okay, then I found this one. I thought it was just funny because these are some big words. Distinguishing coherence, purpose, and significance. Big words, yeah? I mean, if the bigger the word, the more meaningful it must be. Yeah? Okay, I have one more. And you're going to love this one because when you go home from church today, you can tell everybody that you heard from church wisdom from Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay? He says, the meaning of life is not simply to exist, to survive, but to move ahead to go up, to achieve, to conquer. Yep, to conquer. Okay, done? You good? I'm teasing. All right, all You guys are. You guys have to wake up just a little bit more. I need, I need, I need a little bit more from you today. Um, that's not what we're learning in church today exactly, <clears throat> but we are gonna talk about this mess in the metal because from birth to death, those two things that are very certain, you come into the world with literally nothing and we leave the world without anything either. And there's this mess in the middle. And we live in a world that is trying to make sense of it. No joke, there are thousands of self-help books out there. Have you ever found any of them to be helpful? Not more than the Bible. Yeah, so we're gonna look into God's word today as we, as, we, as we talk about this more specifically because in fact, the book of Ecclesiastes, if you read it through, King Solomon shares all of his experiences. He's like, I did everything under the sun. I experienced everything. I gave into every pleasure under the sun. I did everything and what I have concluded is, how many of you know this? Life is, oh, a few of you have read it, meaningless. That's exactly what he says. King Solomon says, life is meaningless. Now, of course, it's in the Bible, so you know there's more, right? If you don't know God, what's the meaning? And I think a lot of people who don't know God are faced with that question in their life. What is the meaning? The truth is there's more to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes does point us toward an awe and a reverence for God. Because the very breath in our lungs is a gift from God. Amen? Okay, so I have to ask you this. It might just be me, and I hope it's not because I just make a fool of myself, but... Sometimes I'll be driving down the road or, I don't know, at a restaurant somewhere or just walking down the street. Any, it doesn't matter where you are, but I, I, specifically I remember a few times just driving down the road and just taking a long pause to soak in the impossibility of everything. Have you ever done that before? Like, this is impossible. Breathing, how does that even happen? Right? I think about um, oxygen, hydrogen, all the elements, you know, all our science teachers. Okay, how did that happen? Right? I think about the warmth of the sun. The fact that the sun stays in its place is a pretty big deal, or we would all be dead. Right? The orbit of the earth, uh, the moon, I mean, how the entire universe stays in balance is impossible. Have you ever done that? Just kind of. I can tell you, sometimes I will literally just sit there and allow myself to be overwhelmed by it because it's humbling. It's humbling to realize that there is absolutely nothing I can do to create the way that God has created. My very existence is God's design. That I was, the year even that I was born, was God's provision for me. And I know that I can sustain life like God's given me the ability to do some things, but I cannot create the way he does. That's a pretty big deal, isn't it? That's exactly what he says actually in Ecclesiastes. We can look there really quick. Um, Ecclesiastes 11. I don't want to read too much of Ecclesiastes because you know we got lots lots to do today, but one verse after all of this that King Solomon said life is meaningless, he says this. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. We just can't, can we? But we can be in awe of it. We can have a reverence for it in what God has done. I Go all the way back to Genesis at the very, very, very beginning. Uh, God says, and the Lord formed a man from the dust of the ground. Guys, the dust of the ground. God is like, here, this piece of dust looks really nice. I mean, I don't know, a couple of rocks in there. Was it gravel? Whatever it was, God took dust from the ground. He formed a body. And the Bible says this. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Impossible. But not with God, right? With God, these things are possible. That was your cue. These things are possible possible. (laughs) See, I need you. I need your help this morning. Okay. Um, But that is, I just, what this comes down to, and and when, when I let myself just be gripped by the reality of who God is, I realize that life is a miracle, is a mystery. Every living thing, a miracle. Birth, every single time, it's something that only God can do he formed you he gave breath to your lungs look with me at colossians chapter 1 it says for in him all things were created things in heaven and on earth visible and invisible whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities all things have been created through him and here's our key for him oh look some of you are getting it okay you could you, i love it come on all things are are created through him and for yes thank you okay guys are so nice to me. All right. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. So just like an author would write a book, that book belongs to them. Yeah? And just like a songwriter would compose a song, that song belongs to them. Right? And I think about my children when they were young and they would make artwork at school and that artwork, like that was theirs. It, not, there was nothing else the same as their artwork, and it was so precious. and how much did you love if you are a parent, when they would bring or a grandparent even when they bring it to you and give it to you as a gift, right? How precious! I mean that piece of artwork, nobody else in the world would want it except me, because it was precious to me. yep that's kind of the same with God. He knows you best. He chose your gifts and your talents. You are precious to him. He created you and you are his. He created you for him. And in a world, I I pray that in a world right now, we are in this world of just, I don't know, I feel like identity is something we search for like gold. And I hope this is refreshing to you. I pray it's refreshing and even freeing to you because we don't need the approval of other people. We don't need to measure up to any world standard specifically. Our world standards are confusing, aren't they? They're constantly changing. Let's talk about this for a second. Bell bottoms are out, right? And all of a sudden, they're starting to come back. That's my point. Like, you can't measure up to a world standard that's always changing anyway. It's unmeasurable. It's temporary. It's gone here today, gone tomorrow, that kind of thing. That's our world standard. Instead, you are a child of the Most High King. God created you, and he says, you are very good. If you read in Genesis, right, he said, in every day of creation, it was good. But when he made a human, you are very good. So God says that about, about you. And I hope and I pray that that is freeing and refreshing to know that you are precious to him. Just like that artwork nobody else would ever want. Sometimes I don't feel like anybody ever, I mean... I don't know. You'd rather have Pastor Greg here this morning. That's okay with me. <laughs> but the truth is, I am precious to God, right? And the truth is, the artwork my kids give me is precious to me. And I just, I just know and I pray that you feel freed by the fact that you don't have to measure up to a world standard. I'm a parent. I have three amazing children. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm actually married to a really awesome guy. He's over here this morning. And we have an amazing family. Like, like I said, their artwork is precious, but even more so, my children are so precious to me. And I, and I love being a parent, um, but the truth is I have a responsibility as a parent, right? And my responsibility as a parent is to teach our children, to raise them, to love Jesus, to follow after him. That so I want to grow in my kids a good character. In them, I want to grow. I want to help them grow up to make good choices in their life. Yeah. But the truth is, these children—they're mine. You don't want them. Yeah. I promise. Okay, you can have yours. I'll have them. They're mine, just like I am God's, and I, and I am precious to Him. You are God's child, and you are precious to Him. Right, man. The same way, though, God wants to raise me to make good choices. He wants to raise me to grow in good character, to follow after him with my whole heart. Amen? All right. Well, I pray as we go today, as we talk even more today, that this would affect how we live, how we love others, in the decisions we make, in the way that we interact with people. Because everything I am a part of is also a part of God's creation. Like, For me to say that I know that I am precious to God, how often do we forget that the other people we interact with are also extremely precious to God? That they are God's children just the same. Because what this reminds me of is when I watch my children fight, specifically, okay, they don't fight. My kids don't fight, they're pastor's kids, right? They do. They fight. Okay, but the truth is, when they, when, they ha- when they fight with each other, it's not the issue. I don't ever want to know who's right in the situation. Because what I really want my kids to learn is how they're treating each other. Because at the end of the day, what matters more is that my children understand that they are both precious to me. That I don't love one more than the other. but But that when they disagree and when they argue and when they fight... They are both being unloving to each other. And that parenting, that attitude is more important to me than anything else. Because they need to see that equally they are precious to me. Just like God would say that to us in our interactions with other people. You are precious, God says to me. But so is the other person that you're having a disagreement with. I think about this uh, because you see it all the time, especially in customer service, right? I know you're giggling, but think about this a plane that gets delayed. I feel so sorry for the flight attendants and customer service is hard. I do not want to work in customer service. I think about a restaurant that runs out of my favorite dish. Oh, that's disappointing. Or my daughter that uses all the hot water before my shower. N- not mine, yours, right? That never happens to anybody else, right? Never, okay. Or the vending machine that eats your money or the coffee that gets made wrong. You get the idea. I think there are certain things in our lives that sort of hit a nerve in us. We don't always act the way that we're proud of, right? And the truth is, and what I hope we're, we're learning today is that we can watch people, and I'm sure you've been witness to a million, you know, in your life, you've been witness to arguments that happen over extremely trivial things, right? Right? of which maybe there was just a simple mistake that was made, could easily be corrected. Absolutely nothing the person could do about it. Did you guys notice? Brent stole my thunder. Did you notice there's good carpet in the room? We got a new carpet. Did you notice that the stage did not? Okay, I have to tell you the truth. The stage carpet is lost in transit somewhere. But I'll tell you the other truth. We didn't find out until after poor Pastor Weston had removed everything. He'd taken the drum cage down. He'd taken all the cords down. He had moved everything. And then I get the phone call, and the poor guy on the phone is like, I don't know what to say. It's it's not here. And I could tell he was kind of bracing himself for some harsh words coming from me. I didn't use harsh words with him at all, because what's the purpose? Would that have solved a single thing? Would it have brought the carpet any sooner? No, at the end of the day, is it really kind of a trivial thing? It wouldn't have made sense for me to get mad at him, but I could tell he was kind of bracing himself for a harsh response. But at the end of the day, the carpet will come. It will be installed. It will look awesome. And... Because I didn't show harsh judgment or or get mean or angry or use ill tone with him, God's people, the relationship with God's people will be maintained, yeah? And that's what I'm talking about when we're talking about uh, God's love and how we love other people. The bottom line is, oh, man, I've made a million mistakes in my life. Oh, I've had to come and tell somebody I'm sorry so many times, and I just hope that they're not going to be mad at me when I mess up. We all mess up, don't we? We all, we talk about this in church all the time, that sin entered the world when? All the way back in Genesis, didn't it? There's been brokenness that's been a part of our world ever since, but there's hope, amen? There's hope in Jesus because none of our mistakes change the fact that our life is a miracle. None of our mistakes change the fact that God loves us and that we're precious to him. None of the things that we do change his immeasurable love for you or the people around you. Our mistakes, they're not going to change any of that. What the Bible teaches me is that his love is the same what? You guys know this one. His his love is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You got it, you guys. I love it. I love you. Okay. But understand, you guys know, and you also know the kids, if you have been in church your whole life, you know the verse, right, John? Gosh, you guys are right on board with me. Okay, yeah, because you know this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever, whoever, oh, say that word, whoever. That that means the people I have a hard relationship with too. Whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to? Oh, I love you. Thank you, guys. Save the world through him. Yeah, I'm going to read actually with. Uh, Up on the screen, it'll be there behind me. uh, The prayer that Jesus prayed just before he went to the cross. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life. That they would know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Friends, we have an eternity ahead, amen, for all who believe. Our purpose is to help others understand this hope that we have, because without this hope, without an eternity view ahead of us, life will begin and it will end, and everything in the middle will be meaningless, like King Solomon wrote about. The only thing that brings real value to the things that we accomplish, to the achievements that we make in this life, is the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Okay, real quick recap before we move on. Because we're going to talk about one more other miracle that comes about. Okay, you're a miracle. Amen? Creation, miracle, mystery. You're precious in his creation. Uh, His love for you, beyond measure. And he's called you to the same measure of love for others. That's what this verse is right here. Uh, John 15 says, my command is this, love each other as i loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that they lay down one's life for one's friends. Just like Jesus laid down his life for us, he calls us to that kind of sacrificial love for others. We're going to talk about that because that's my second miracle today. How many of you in uh, elementary school uh, remember learning about Metamorphosis. Yeah? Okay, I used to teach fourth grade, and we used to get the little, we would order the little butterfly things, and someone came up to me, and they'd say, like, do you remember the word chrysalis? I'm like, yes, I remember the word chrysalis. They'll come, and anyway, but here's my question. If you think about this for a second, what compels a caterpillar to crawl into the utter darkness of a cocoon? Right? Think about it. Something in them just knows when it's time to do this unexplainable thing, right? And they crawl into this cocoon and what happens in there is completely out of their control and they emerge, what? Completely changed, right? Completely, this butterfly is different, completely transformed and that's what we're gonna look at in God's word specifically because if we look at that word, transformed, changed, completely different, it's a miracle that only God can do there's no way we could replicate that think about it that's actually what paul's referring to in romans 12:2 when he says this he says do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind okay the greek word for transformed translates into english metamorphosis so when the bible says not to conform to the pattern of this world but to be transformed he's talking like a like a butterfly like a uh, a caterpillar into a cocoon into a butterfly kind of transformation, metamorphosis in you. Is that possible? Not without God. But yes, it is. Okay, think about it. I'm going I'm to bring it two ways. One, metamorphosis transformed. That comes through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Only he could do that. Only he could step into the punishment of sin. Right, The wages of sin is, you guys know it, and the gift of God is, oh, through Christ Jesus. Only he could do that. Just like only he could transform a caterpillar into a butterfly, only he could take your sin and release you free like a butterfly for eternity. Amen? Ah, okay, so don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This complete world mind. Okay, in our world, what's the mindset in our world? Achieve more? do more, gain more, Um, I don't know, feel free, find personal satisfaction, choose your own meaning of life, I don't know, You, you get the idea, right, that's our world mindset would be for yourself, right, what is it, you do you? I don't know that kind of stuff. I don't know. I, I don't know all of them. And my kids actually make fun of me because I don't know all the cool terms anymore. So I apologize for that. But the truth is what this verse is saying is that we would be transformed by the renewing of, my, uh, of, uh, by the renewing of our mind, which means the, your heart, a transformation in your heart in step with the heart of your creator, God. And I want to say the same thing. I think it, it's the same kind. When it says transform, it's saying the same thing, that that's really only possible through Christ, I can try and love other people, but I've got to have God help me understand how to love other people like he does. That kind of love, that kind of care is what's going to help me love other people even when it's hard. Yeah? That's the biggest truth for me. And that is actually where your greatest witness is, when you love other people when the rest of the world would expect something different from you, just like the man who called me with the carpet was expecting something different from me. And instead I said, it's totally okay, we get it. Let us know when it comes in. We're not taking this down again until we know the carpet is in was the answer that came from that. Look with me at John chapter 8. When Jesus spoke again to his people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, We'll never walk in darkness, but we'll have the light of life. Man, only Jesus can die on the cross for our sin. And and, and only Jesus can give us that eternity with him. And only Jesus can help us walk in the light that comes through him. That's what we're going to talk about for the rest of our time is what that looks like. Not conforming to the world. the darkness of sin, but renewing our mind. And the main scripture verse for us today, so if you have your Bibles and you wanted to open with me, the chunk of scripture we're really gonna read is in Romans chapter 12, and it comes right, uh, we're gonna read a good chunk of it. So I'm gonna ask you to respond. Are you ready for this? That means you need the word right in front of you so you can respond because I'm gonna pause, and that's not an awkward pause. It's an opportunity for you to stay awake. Perfect, okay, I'm glad you're with me. Romans chapter 12, love must be, oh, there you go, you got it, Some, three people got it. Okay, love must be, okay, good, you're with me. All right, love must be sincere, hate what is, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves, never be lacking in, oh, I love that word, do you love that word? I mean, zeal to me is like, back. At, you need to come back to kids' church and worship with us sometime, We dance. It's a dance party back there, you guys. That is zeal. Okay, I'm going to keep going. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Are you ready? Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Faithful in... Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who, and live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil for, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Amen. Is it, if it is possible, as far as it depends upon you, live at peace with Everyone, that's a really long chunk of scripture, isn't it? Thank you for engaging with me in it because now I know you're awake and I hope that you heard some of that. But the truth is at the end, even though it's a long list, can I actually tell you it's quite simple? Be nice. Can I sum it up right there? (laughs) I love it. Take the time to really think through your interactions with other people. And the other thing I would say is ask God to show you his way of love for others. That's what he said. Um, actually, the, some of the disciples were asking Jesus in Matthew chapter 22. They're asking him, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love, what? Yeah, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Oh, you can say it with me, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your as yourself. And if you keep reading, Jesus talks about your neighbor being pretty much everyone that you come into contact with in your life. So quite simply, the gospel is simple. Love God, love others. And I would say this, allow God to transform you, to completely change your mind in a real God love for his people, especially, like I said, when it's hard. In truth, just like metamorphosis, I really believe it's only possible with God for us to truly, 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 truly change our heart for the people around us. Yes? Okay, so if we say life's a miracle, only God can create it. Transformation is a miracle through Jesus' death and resurrection. That you're brought from the death of your sin into eternal life. That we will never, I love this Bible verse, you know that says that we will never perish, spoil, or fade. That only through Jesus, who wants to completely transform even our thinking in how we love others, that we would have that kind of sacrificial love for the people around us. Okay, so we're going to continue on in how we do this. How do we do these truths? I I truly believe, and this is where we'll really land today. I truly believe, and God's word backs it up, so it's just not me talking. But I truly believe the answer to um, how we respond to God's truth is in our surrender and in our obedience Look at the Great Commission. You guys know the Great Commission. Jesus said this before he ascended to heaven. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And here it is, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. What we're learning is a simple gospel truth, right? Love God, love others, make disciples, baptize them, and teach them to obey our response to God and how we surrender our life over to him. I love it when Pastor Rustin was even leading worship today. He talked about surrendering, giving up our anxieties and our worries and our fears. And I also love how in, you know, in worship, like obviously we didn't plan for this. Two days ago, I I found out I'd be preaching. And yet in our worship, we're talking about transformation. Isn't that amazing? That is God's provision. And I love it when I see little glimpses of that as as we study God's word. I'm confident that you will find greater joy in your purpose when you have a heart that is fully and completely surrendered to God. And when I say that, what I mean is that you would sit at his feet, that you would seek him, you'd be in his word, and you would be reading it, and that you'd be asking God to teach you what it says. I'm so confident that if we can seek him that way, that we would actually learn to hear his voice in your life so that you're able to distinguish his voice from others. Isn't it true in the world around you, there's a lot of conflicting information in our world, yeah? Our world is becoming so inundated with information that there's a lot of confusion even. Wouldn't you agree? And what I think we need to do is we need to learn to turn our hearts and our minds away from this plethora of voices that surround us and be able to distinguish the voice of God because the voice of God is true knowledge. The confusion in the world around us is a lot of opinion without true knowledge. We need to be able to allow our creator God to speak real truth into our hearts and into our lives, amen? So in the last few minutes, I have a couple really bold questions to ask you. One, in what ways are you, have you been struggling I know we all struggle with some things, but I I want you to be really real about those things. What ways have you been struggling specifically? Things that maybe your mind feels divided by. And I want to ask you this very, very specifically. Have you asked Jesus to speak into those things? Have you paused long enough to really seek him, to sit at his feet and to ask for his provision, to ask for his direction, to ask for his guidance and to show you what it says in his word? It's one thing to think It's a whole nother thing to know that God's word backs up what you're saying and what you're thinking. To distinguish God's voice in your heart, it comes through his word and even fellowship and and worship together. Okay, what else uh, do we worry about? What are some of the things we worry about? Remember we talked about surrender, our anxieties and our worries. The things that we worry about, I'll tell you, can consume our mind, can't they? I mean, if you let worry keep cycling around in your head, it will consume, consume your mind completely. And that's why I say, do you know the voice of God in your heart? Because if you let yourself swarm around that worry, then that is the path you will follow. But if you allow God to speak into it, if you allow God's truth and his word to speak into it, if you really search through God's word to teach you what it says, then he'll be able to help you conquer the worry, the anxiety, the things that are crippling you in your life. So I would say, the things you worry about, seek God to give you greater joy, greater hope, greater direction. Because, because that's the truth for us: is the more the more things we absorb our mind in, those are the things that will drive our thoughts. So think about this: if your if your thoughts are drowning in even negativity or crit, uh, criticism or judgment, then that's the path you'll follow. If your thought process is, is wrapped up or weighed heavy even with politics or earthly pleasure or selfishness, those things, then that's the path you'll follow. But if your mind, if you're allowing God to drive your thoughts, if you're allowing his word to drive your thought process, then his leading in your life will be the path that you'll follow. And to be honest, when I really think about all the things that we have an opportunity to let rule our thinking, nothing will last or satisfy or fulfill me more than my obedience to Christ. But how am I going to obey him if I don't know what his word says? Our purpose isn't going to live in negativity. Our purpose isn't going to live in argument or harsh judgment. Our purpose in Christ, it comes when we allow him to direct our path and obey his word. Okay, look with me at Romans 8:28 and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. You've all been called, every single one of you. And we know that in all things God works for the for the good. Uh, you know, as a parent, that's what I want for my kids. I want good for them. Yeah? So so you you know that even when I discipline them, it's for their good. Isn't it the same with Christ who loves me even more than I could possibly ever love my children? I do know there's one thing that I want to kind of finish us off with today. Because there are some things that you might say to me, well, what about the things that are out of our control? Illness, injury, job loss, professional setback, miscarriage, bad news. What about those things? I believe 100% that God's purposes for you are still good even in those spaces, right? When you trust in him, yeah? Isaiah even said it. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we're healed. The reason I bring this verse up is um, because this was written 400 years before Jesus even came. This is the prophet Isaiah writing this before Jesus came, telling us that a savior was coming to be pierced for our transgressions, that he would be crushed for our iniquities, that the punishment that we deserve would be on him and that by his wounds, we, it says are healed, right? So the things that we, that we suffer within our life, the things that are hard, the things that are out of our control, we have a promise of something better. Because of Jesus' death and re- resurrection, the punishment of my sin and yours has been paid, right? That's present tense. It's been done. And Jesus chose that for you. That full healing from anything, sin, death, pain, suffering, will be and there is a promise. Healing is real. I, and, and I want to share with you in closing one story specifically because I feel it. It's real. Um, some of you already know this about me. But I've been suffering uh, well, actually, I'm, I'm doing a lot better now. Can you tell? Huh? Oh, gosh. Okay, for more than six years, though, I have had a medical issue that has still remained unsolved. And I've seen doctors. I've seen specialists. I've seen naturopaths. You name it. I've seen all of them. Um, I've had imaging done. I've had uh, ultrasounds done. I've had tests done. I've had blood work done. You name it. I've taken supplements. I've taken medications. Um, i changed my diet all over the place. I've prayed for healing. Wisdom, guidance, peace. I have been angry. I've been sad. I've felt defeated. I've been worn out. All of this is truth, right? But can I tell you something else? I have learned so much. God has shown me a love and a compassion for other people that's far greater than I ever knew before through this process. God has also taught me not to assume anything about anybody. When we come into contact with people, we have no idea what their full story is, do we? What we do know is that they're a precious child of God. That's something that is sure. And so in in, in our encounters with people, are we that kind of person that recognizes who God sees, not my assumption. I would not, I, I, I've learned not to make those assumptions. But I've also learned that there's far greater joy in trusting him than worrying. And that patience will be a far greater reward than frustration will ever be. And when I trust in God for his provision, there's comfort and there's peace. I could have stayed in bed. I could have stayed at home through all of it. I could have been weighed down by all of the the thoughts that could have consumed my mind. But instead, this voice of God inside of me said, persevere and walk with me. And so in Christ and only in Christ was I able to to persevere, to get up every morning and to trust God to carry me through, yeah? If you're in a season where it is out of your control, will you listen to the voice of God? Will you trust him to lead you, to give you peace, to give you strength, to give you what you need to carry on? I'm gonna end with this verse right here. Colossians. In verse 10, this is Paul. He says, by the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. Paul is talking to the Corinthian church and he says this, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they, the weapons, have divine power to demolish strongholds. Can I tell you what our weapons are? Worship, prayer, God's word, Fellowship has the divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient. Do you hear that word? Obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. But hear this, friends. Hear it. The weapons we fight with that demolish strongholds are not the weapons of the world around us. They are prayer. They are worship. They are fellowship in this God's word. And, And at the very beginning of this, when he said, in humility, do you trust Jesus when things are hard? In gentleness, do you seek understanding? And do you lean on God's divine power to love others like he loves them with surrender and obedience to his will? Yeah? Will you stand with me and we pray. Father, we are so grateful. We're so thankful that your word is so full of goodness and truth. God, we are blessed that you love us so deeply, that you would transform our minds, that you would transform our hearts, Lord, that you would guide us and direct us in only the way that you can. God, I pray that we would trust that as we go from here, that we would lean on your divine power in our lives. Let's go from here, God, and love others as you do. In your name, amen. And Have a wonderful week. Come enjoy the light show later.